0: Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast that gives women a chance to get honest and open about what it's really like surviving and thriving in what often feels like a male-dominated world. All of my guests have been handpicked from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real issue. I know this only too well having been a mechanical engineer myself for a number of years. I'm Dr Shanice O'Mara, now a television broadcaster, I've worked on and reported on some cutting-edge technology and innovation over the years, and through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. These women are true trailblazers, and I've often felt so empowered myself by learning what they're like as real people, usually when the TV cameras have been turned off and they're just being themselves. Each week on silence, one of these women shares her unique experiences and truth, without the usual pressure and stress of having to promote her accomplishments or uphold her impressive reputation. How? because all of my guests are deliberately kept anonymous and disguised to ensure that we as listeners are not distracted or maybe even intimidated by all the usual kinds of societal labels and trophies. The women of STEM on this show have amazingly impressive CVs, but most importantly, they're human, just like the rest of us. And I want to share the inspiration and wisdom that I've gathered from them with you. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of healthcare.
1: Hi. Hi, Vanshanie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your um, show.
0: Ah, it's such a pleasure to have you on and you sound so sprightly. (laughs) Um, Is that because you enjoy being in healthcare and your day's been very fulfilling?
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course, the day has been very, very fulfilling. I mean, if you're working on something exciting, that's always something to be excited about, something to look forward to. What exactly are you working on these days? I'm working on two things right now, actually. And one of them is um, optimizing patient flow through the A&E. Um, and another one I'm work- another project I'm working on, and this is how we met, was um, through, we're trying to come up with a non-invasive continuous blood glucose monitoring system for type 1 diabetics we've been talking to a few people um and talking to some machine learning ex- experts and it's it's very exciting
0: yeah i mean how did you get into all of this like it's very specific what you do is this something that you always knew
1: you wanted to end up doing no not at all actually um i so this one specifically so i'm from Sri Lanka i'm from the northeast part of Sri Lanka um and I, I go there every summer um, on holiday to see my grandparents and every time I'm there, I've always seen um, an aging population. So my grandparents live by themselves and I wanted to do something to help the aging population. So I came here and again, on in hospitals, I've seen um, the elderly, elderly populations, so I've always wanted to do something for them. Um, but I didn't really know how that would come down to type one di- diabetics. I think that was just through a lot of research, talking to a lot more patients, and then having to narrow down at some point to one disease.
0: Gosh, I, I'm <laughs> I'm going to say it on air. Like I, I my heart just fills with joy that you're Sri Lankan. Because me too. No way. Oh <laughs> yeah. No way.
1: Oh, I had no idea.
0: Okay half sri lankan half malaysian but i really do feel truly sri lankan at heart so how did it all how did it all begin for you then were you born in sri lanka
1: yeah i actually was so i was born there and i lived there for nine years so i moved here when i was nine um and then yeah so i started studying here Um, and that's why i tried to go back as much as i can to yeah keep seeing my grandparents um and what we actually what really struck me when I moved here was the difference in quality of healthcare and the quality of life. Is it better or worse here? I mean, it's, it's, I think it's debatable for most people because I think a lot of people I've met who come from Sri Lanka would argue that life is a lot more peaceful back home or, you know, it was, a, it would be, it's a lot more um, peaceful in the sense, despite the war, um, in despite the civil war, I think they would argue that, um, in terms of like, in, in terms of being one with nature and just living your life, the country itself is beautiful and it would it's perfect for that sort of lifestyle. But I think mm-hmm. in terms of, um, in terms of the principles I believe in like equality, equality, uh, equal access to healthcare, education, I, I do feel that the UK is much better in that sense. That's why I've always wanted to go back and do something for healthcare. Healthcare is something I've always felt quite strongly about because I feel like your mental health, your physical health, shouldn't be determined by your wealth or your financial status. Right, um, and it, it's so important for you to actually, you know, build your life or to do to to go about your daily life.
0: Because what what you're involved in is very sort of like pioneering and. It's very um, innovative and kind of, uh, I mean, it's essentially a startup in Mm -hmm. the medical tech field. Mm -hmm. Um, So why did you choose to go into that arena as opposed to maybe, I don't know, inventing uh, a different type of product? Like why health specifically?
1: I think it it worked out quite naturally because uh, I'm studying medicine. um, Mm -hmm. And because of that, I think I'm more exposed to medical problems, yeah, uh, because I I get to see patients, I get to hear hear the hear the world from their uh, sort of viewpoint. Um, so I, I I think I'm much more aware of problems within healthcare, um, and also in terms of the resources I have, I think because I'm a medic and because I have friends who are medics and because I have access to professors who can help with with this sort of area, it just seemed like the natural um, sort of fuel to go into.
0: Mm, yeah. But were you raised in a sort of like medical kind of uh, environment? Were you exposed to medical
1: influences? Uh, no, so when I was a kid, I not, I, not as far as I remember, uh, I, of, neither of my parents are doctors or my grandparents. Uh, one of my aunt is a doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was, when I was so she was a medical student when I was about three or four years old and she'd try and take me to hospitals. But, um i i i mean i i didn't re- i don't really recall much from that but what i do re- recall is um when i went to again back when i went back to sri lanka um i think a few years ago um like i think back in 20 2016 2017 actually earlier than that um i i happened to meet a few doctors who worked um within in Muli Baikal in 2009 mm mm-hmm. So this was during the last stage of the war and their stories really, really inspired me because these were doctors who were putting their lives at risk to help a hundred, like hundreds and thousands of people who are, be, who are fleeing into hospitals with no basic facilities, um, with no, um, anesthetics, no, no bandages, no painkillers, um, nothing to carry, not, nothing really to carry out their surgeries or their, uh, procedures. Um, and yet they stood, they they stood their ground. They stayed there to help those people because they have that innate, they have that um, sense of duty. Mm. And yeah. those stories really inspire me. Wow.
0: Um,
1: I don't know because I I think you know if any of them had thought uh, if they had put themselves before, I think it would mean they could have left the country before that, mm. or before, before they had to be in that war war zone. Yeah, but they didn't. They didn't put themselves first. They put their patients first, and I, I really look up to that.
0: So, do you want to go back?
1: Uh, I do. I, for me, it's not not just Sri Lanka, actually. But I think what my dream is to be able to give healthcare, access to healthcare, to people who've never even had access to healthcare before. Mm. Um, for instance, I went to Myanmar last summer. Uh, again, on a health uh, on a healthcare project to go and um, educate villages in Myanmar um, on their risk of high blood pressure. Right. Um, and what I what we I found I was actually really shocked by it, was that m- many of these villages, in fact, all of none of them had ever seen a doctor before. Wow. Um, and and even as a medical student, they were so in awe of us, me and a group of uh, a team of medical students, so they were so in all of us coming there to like check their blood pressure. Uh, they were asking us for advice. They were really, they were truly really trying to get everything out of us because um, they were. I mean, once we left, they wouldn't know who to go to, mm-hmm. or they couldn't afford to go and see a doctor. Um, and I think sometimes when we are in the in the NHS or when we're in the UK, we we can lose perspective. We, I mean. We we try within the NHS we try to we have strict uh, strict targets that we like to meet we want to meet and we due to resources due to um, lack of funding we're falling short of all of that but at the end of the day we do have we still have one of the best healthcare systems if one of our loved ones falls ill we're not none of us are worried about how much money will take to make them survive Mm, yeah that's the first thing that ever crosses our minds.
0: And is that why you wanted to study here?
1: Um, no, I think I, I because I, I, I moved here when I was nine. Again, it seemed that yeah. But again, I actually do believe the UK has one of the best healthcare systems. Mm. Um, despite the criticisms we, uh, that we hear about on the news, I, I feel like the principles, the fundamental principles of our healthcare system is very admirable. Having
0: lived in America for five years, I actually think the healthcare system here is pretty great. <laughs>
1: um in fact uh, yeah I, I, uh, yeah a couple of the patients i've seen have said the same as well.
0: Yeah no the healthcare system here is um i think you know it's really good but the, the thing is you don't really see how good a healthcare system is until you're really sick i don't think i mean you know so but yeah no i mean
1: and not until you've been sick in another country as well. When we went to Myanmar, one of our friends um, needed to have an operation. Like it was very unexpected. He fell into a ditch and he had a small cut um, and he had to have an operation. And this would have been a really small uh, operation. But because of the healthcare system there, this was such a long winded process and it took us about 12 hours. And towards the end, they were telling us, you know, the risk of infection is so high that this could lead to an amputation. In, like there was a risk of amputation. Um, oh my gosh. and yeah, it, that, and that was because this was, they left it, you know, this escalated quite quickly because it wasn't being acted on soon enough. Um, but I think it's only when you see healthcare systems in countries like that, that you actually really appreciate the system we have here.
0: Mm, yeah. So, I mean, you're studying in a very impressive, uh, academic institution, which we will not name because we <laughs> want to remain anonymous. Um, but you know, um the winner of the Channel Four uh Britain's Brainiest Child competition was a Sri Lankan girl. And oh. we do tend to sort of like we do tend to produce some brainy people in Sri Lanka. Mm. Where do you think that that comes from? Do you think it's nurture from our parents or we've inherited good brain cells? Like what do you where do you um, think it comes
1: from? I personally believe um in nurture a lot uh, I, I i i yeah i think i i believe in um, i believe in nurture more than nature uh, i do i mean obviously there's inherently there's some parts which we, we inherit but i think um in terms of being britain's brainiest child or in terms of achieving high, uh, being successful i don't think that's predetermined mm-hmm. i think that comes right. with our, and the opportunities you get um, and I think in Sri Lanka, especially, um, there is a strong, um, culture, there's a strong work ethic in the people I've met. Um, and I think that's because of, so, I mean, I, I, I come from the, the Northeast of Sri Lanka. Um, and back in, back when my parents are growing up, um, getting into university was very, very difficult for them. Uh, so they had, they mm-hmm. would have um, only, the, only the top eleven percent of the country could go to university. But when they did get to university, university was free. But only the top eleven percent could actually get into university. Um, and mm-hmm. because of the, uh, like uh, this standardized education system they had, um, each the number of students they could get take from each county was very limited. So in some right. uh, districts, you have to get a higher mark to get into university as opposed to other other others and they call I think it was called the standardization policy or I, I can't I don't really know what what that was so I think in in my parents in my um in my grandparents and in in like people of their gen of, of that generation I've seen them work really really hard for what they have um and that was yeah. because that that was the system back home um and unlike say Britain I I it's very, it's very true back home in Sri Lanka that if you don't get into university, if you don't do, if you if you don't do a science, maths, or an engineering degree, it's very hard for you to get a job. Otherwise, um, mm. that's what I've seen. Um So, so I think that's where I think that's where the work ethic comes from for all these kids. Yeah, I
0: mean, what what have your parents been like in terms of sort of like encouraging you or supporting you or maybe even pushing you to go into
1: the studies you're in hmm. I think um, I think I've been very lucky in that sense um, my parents are very open-minded and they're very um, they I think they, they've they encouraged me to lead a balanced life in every way in fact when it's so in Sri Lanka when I was growing up in, in one year two um, they, they would do this thing where they rank you um, and everyone knows your rank in your whole year oh um, and I remember yeah, and I remember in year one and year two, I remember coming last in my year. But that was because I didn't know my I didn't know the language. So I'd go to the exam and I couldn't even read the question. So I ended up coming last for two years till I learned to pick up the language. Um, but during those times, my parents didn't tell me, you know, oh, you can't do this. Or, you know, they didn't try and push me. They, in, I think during those years, they instead, they made every effort for me to um, interact with other kids to learn to pick up the language they didn't they didn't sort of push me in the sense of putting me into tuition they didn't do anything like that they let me take it at my own pace um right. so There was no
0: real pressure then
1: yeah there was, there was no real pressure at all and so when i came to when i came here into the, to the uk um in i came here in, uh, in year four and i had two years and so all my parents friends were telling them about this this exam called the 11 plus exam you may have heard of it Um, so the 11 plus exams is to get into a grammar school. Um, and there was a lot of pressure, but from say like my parents, friends, my extended family for me to do well in this exam, but my parents were really understanding in that sense. They took me to different schools in my, in my neighborhood. And they said, okay, this is a normal school. This is a grammar school. Um, they took me to, to the open days and they said, if you do this exam, you can go to a grammar school, but at the end of the day, it doesn't make a huge difference if you work hard. Um, it's up to you whether you want to go to this school or that school. And if you do want to go to this school, then we'll help you. So again, they didn't really push me in that sense. So it was really the it was really up to you. It was your choice yeah. like, where you yeah. felt and comfortable. I, exactly. And I'm so grateful to my parents for giving me that opportunity to try different mm. things, to actually experiment with a few you know, lots of different things. Um, mm. yeah.
0: So what were you like as a kid then? Like were you very sort of like uh, in charge of your own decisions did you feel very confident
1: to no. to choose what was right for you yeah um I think I've always been a bit of a rebel um so if someone tells me you can't I can't do something that's the first thing I'd do um hmm. and I, I've been really adventurous I'd like to put I, I I've always wanted to push myself out of my comfort zone if there was anything that I couldn't do or if, anyway if there's anything that people said I couldn't do then that's um, as in the sense, in the in the sense, I'd always wanted to do something. People said I couldn't do, or I can't do.
0: I uh, I've been like that, really. Um, yeah. But does, do you not think that having that kind of attitude means that you end up doing things that you didn't really want to do, but you were
1: kind of just trying to prove yourself? Um, I think that has happened in in the past, yes. But I think now, I, I think I'm a bit more mature now, and I've learned from those mistakes. So now I've I've just got that self confidence. And I, I just end up doing what I want to do, regardless of what people tell me. I, right. I don't feel like And yeah. what is driving you? What is driving me? Um I I feel like I feel like there there should be a bigger purpose to to my life than um than like I don't see myself going going to a job nine to five, coming back home, having dinner, watching TV and repeating the same thing again. For forty years of my life, I want to know that whatever I do has a bigger impact um, on a larger number of people, and I want to be able to see that impact. Um, and I think that's that's what really drives me um, more so than say going into hospitals, talking to patients on a, a one-to-one basis. I want to be able to work on something, do something, which would have a long-lasting impact, uh, a positive impact on many more people. Um, right yeah yeah uh, yeah I think that's how I would that's that's what I like to think about yeah
0: and has it been a journey to get to know what's driving you or from a very young age do you always know
1: no no not at all uh, I think it, this has been a journey um it, I've I, I, I mean even since I was a kid I've, I, I think everyone goes through this sort of um this sort of crisis where they try to find what they're looking for, what they want to do in life. And I've had that as well. Um, I think initially, you know, I thought, okay, maybe it was money I was after, but as soon as I realized that's not going to make me happy. Um, and then uh, I, I really like dancing. So I thought, okay, maybe I can, you know, just just be dancing every day. But again, that I tried that over my gap here. I, I wasn't feeling happy, but actually I think what really does motivate me and I've come to a realization now. It might change in the future but right now I think what I want to be working on is working on something which which will have an impact on a hundred small people.
0: Right. Yeah. So it sounds like you went through a bit of a process of experimenting and trying to figure yourself out and then mm-hmm. you know now you've found now you've kind of landed.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't say landed because um again I don't I don't want to be I don't want to restrict myself in that sense. Um, mm. I'm sure, I'm sure I'd, I'm, there's still more I'd find out about myself in the future and there's still more I'd learn. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at right now.
0: Right. Mm. It's so interesting to hear your approach to it because it, you kind of sound very sort of like forgiving of yourself and, um, you know, very sort of like uh, compassionate towards your ambitions where it's like yeah it might change but for now like this is what i want Mm. to do this is not the kind of sri lankan attitude i'm used to
1: (laughs) (laughs) no honestly i i would i I give a hundred percent credit to my parents for sort of i think i i honestly owe a lot to them for not pressurizing me into doing something i don't want to do Mm um and for giving me that liberty and that freedom and i actually remember my dad when he dropped me off at university on the first day um in my car in the car on the drive to uni university on the first day he was telling me you know you could go into university every day so on the front row take good le- notes in your lectures um go back home study and you will come up with a first class degree but university is a lot more than that there, there are so many more opportunities you want to do and he was saying you know i'd much rather you came out with a degree it doesn't have to be first class. You don't have to pass top of the year. But as long as you come out having had experiences, which has made you more informed, which has made you a better person, then he was saying that in his view, that would be a better use of my time. Um, and I think... And what did you feel about that? I was, I mean, this was first year of university and this was my my first day. I was really happy that my dad was taking it so chill. So... Um, yes yeah. I, I was I was all ready to go and start experimenting um everything from sports to dance to um other societies and that's how I ended up um get you know getting involved with entrepreneurship um, I didn't really know that that was mm. for me, but again that was through a trial and error process,
0: yeah, so it sounds like you've really given yourself the freedom to explore all aspects of your personality mm. um and not sort of um, sort of beaten yourself up for running into dead ends?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, yeah, but I, I think I, I also understand that now is, I mean, yeah, I the, obviously if I'm going to try everything, I'm, there, will, there, will be, there will be dead ends. And it's just an understanding that I have. Mm-hmm. I'll try something, it's not going to work out, but that's fine. I can go on and try something else or keep trying at that thing if that's something I really want to do. Uh, yeah. yeah. Hmm.
0: Gosh, that's such a great attitude. <laughs> so, um, what's it been like studying? Like, do STEM subjects come really naturally to you, or have you had to work hard? No, I, I've. Um,
1: I think ever since I was a kid, I've always been a very STEM girl. Um, in a sense, I've, I've lo- I loved I've loved maths, I love science, um, and I love how sort of current science and maths are. Um, how I can relate it to things i read on the news um and how science and maths really does change the future um so i've always i've always been into maths and science and they have come i I find them a lot more logical so for me i find it easier to grasp and i've been like that since i was a child Mm. do you have siblings yeah i do i have a younger brother and a sister
0: and are they um stem
1: biased Mm, no no my brother is very uh artsy he likes to draw he wants to go into graphic design um he's and he's very creative in that sense um he he's not very he's not very into science or maths um and then and then I've got my sister who wants to I think right now she's quite young so I think right now she wants to go into law but that's another week so I don't know what she wants to do next week
0: (laughs) so you really have found stem just out of pure curiosity and attraction to it
1: yeah i i would say so yeah um and i think it also helps that my um uh, my both my parents have, are have done um are into stem so my mom came the reason i came to the uk was because my mom came here to do her phd in uh plant oh, pathology okay. um um, so that was STEM. So uh, during my holidays, I'd go with her to her university and um, watch her put her, her cultures mm. under the microscope. Um, and she'd pull me in and be like, oh, have a look at the microscope. Um, so I've had that sort of exposure. Um, I think since then, I've, I just knew I, I didn't want to be looking at <laughs> microscopes since I had mm. That's not what I wanted to do. But I've. I, yeah, the way she spoke about it, I've, I've always yeah. found that quite and
0: interesting. Yeah, and you've obviously sort of inherited that sort mm. of STEM slant. How about your dad? Then? Mm. Is he in STEM? Yeah,
1: yeah. My dad, my dad um, studied agriculture um, right. in back home in Sri Lanka. Um, so it's yeah. It, again, it's very. It's it, yeah. He's very into um, outdoors. Um, he's mm. he's into uh, field work. He likes being out and about in the fields so yeah
0: yeah i mean stem is such a it's it really stem subjects really require you to sort of um analyze and look for patterns and uh trends and you know pay attention to detail and think about things methodically and logically so i can understand sort of like growing up with the parents you've got like it probably just through osmosis kind of filtered mm-hmm. into you. Are you the eldest?
1: I am the eldest, yes.
0: I can understand why being the eldest and, you know, you're you're very driven and um I just I love this attitude of kind of experimentation. Um I mean, what goals do you have in the future do you tend to plan and make a mental note of your ambitions
1: and things? Yeah. So I think I start so uh, again, my views on setting plans and goals like this has changed throughout the years as well. So I think when I was, I, when I first, I made like a 10-year plan when I was 14 or something. And I said, okay, for in year 10, I'm going to do this. In year 11, I'm going to do this. Year 12, this, this, this. I had a list of things I wanted to accomplish each year. But then I came to university and then I thought, you know, like, what do these lists mean? Like, what does it mean if I've ticked, it, ticked this off? Um, and do I want to live my life according to this like this checklist that I've, I made for myself five years ago um and I think my views on that has changed um I think I truly now believe in experiment experimenting being adventurous, and making choices every day um so not making choices depending on what I wanted to do five years ago um, but making choices every day. And being open to new changes, being open to new opportunities. Um, so I do have some sort of an idea of where I want to be in 10 years' time now. But I would, I don't think I've I planned it in as much detail as I did 10 years ago.
0: Mm. Mm. So what are your uh, sort of like short-term goals then? Because you My- you're studying medicine. Um, yeah. How does it work? Like when are you done... Um, how far through are you? That kind of thing.
1: Okay, I have. So I'm doing my integrated BSc this year, um, and after this, I will have two years before I become a doctor. So that, that's how, that's on that's first on my priority to finish my degree, mm-hmm. and secondly, um, I really want to work on this startup properly, um, get our prototype, get our get our product to customers and patients through the NHS. So that's second on my, on my hierarchy um, Gosh. and everything else would be what else comes my way. Yeah, it's so,
0: <laughs> it's so interesting to like imagine you not only doing your degree, but like, you know, pushing this, um, this tool that you've developed as well as kind of experimenting with like dance and things like that, like really contrasting things. Like yeah. how are you able to balance all of that and stay sane?
1: I mean, since I, was in, since I was a kid, I've always had multiple things going on at the same time. So mm-hmm. I think I would actually go insane if I didn't have anything much to do or if I only had one or two things right. to focus on. And I've, mm-hmm. I feel like I seek out multiple things to do um, to to keep myself more productive and to keep me constantly thinking about something.
0: Right. Yeah, so it's always needing to stimulate your mind and be busy and things like that.
1: Yeah, hundred percent.
0: So, what's it like being uh, a medical student and female? Like, are you aware of any sort of like gender differences or?
1: Um, actually, with medicine, I think in so in my cohort cohort, um, the ratio is just over fifty 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 for girls. Hmm. So. Yeah. So that's actually really good. So, um, in, in that sense, I haven't, I haven't seen, um, I haven't seen any more. I I don't know. I haven't, I haven't felt like I was at a disadvantage. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But I think it works the other way with medicine sometimes because, um, so sometimes when when we're practicing for our practical exams, we get marks on showing empathy. We get marks on, um, knowing how to speak to patients so when we practice this with friends jokingly people could you know we would they would as a joke or as a remark they would say something like oh it's easy for you girls because empathy comes naturally for you or that emotional intelligence comes naturally for you Mm -hmm. um and I think in that in that sense I sometimes see it working in reverse because um I don't think that's necessarily the case and I feel you know I feel like um regardless of whether or not you're male or female um emotional intelligence um being able to understand people and being able to show empathy should be a thing for both both sexes
0: yeah i mean definitely should be but mm -hmm. do you not think that women do have a natural tendency towards empathy versus the guys because i mean i think we live in a society where men feel they have to be they have to display bravado, and actually, they probably suppress yeah. their ability to be empathetic.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that that's exactly what it is. I think it's not that they don't feel empathy. It's not that they don't empathize. It's actually it's more that society has trained them to suppress those emotions. So then they put on mm. this facade, um, and there's really no need for that. Um, yeah. But that, but that's that is what I see in medicine sometimes um
0: and so that's I, kind of like societal pressure clashing with um medical studies um in the sense that a bit of empathy would go probably very far in medicine whether you're male or female right um, I yeah, that. yeah yeah
1: um yeah. yes i do i i do believe that i think it is It is very much society's perceptions and then you're feeling the need to keep up with that. But then also I I do notice that in a few years into medical school, um, that becomes secondary because then you start putting your patients first. So I, I feel like by the time they graduate, that difference isn't so obvious. Right. But this is something I picked up on in, say, first year.
0: It's interesting because a few weeks ago I had uh, a guest on the show that studied medicine and she thought that it was really sexist.
1: Um,
0: Yeah. And she had some really horrific stories to tell about sort of like sexism in the, Mm -hmm. in the dissection room sort of thing. And it was just, uh, it was really shocking. And I just, I I didn't realize I, I, I wasn't expecting those kinds of stories um, mm-hmm. In the medical field, because you kind of feel like anyone that studies medicine really cares about human beings.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah. it's refreshing to hear your completely different take on things.
1: No, I, I honestly, I, I don't feel, I don't think I've seen that side in medicine. Mm. Um, where I've, but, but then I also the thing is, I also come into contact with um, non medics. People who do engineering and I think the difference in those departments is a lot more um it's a lot more obvious yeah it's kind of
0: making me wonder whether it's something to do with you (laughs) because (laughs) you know sometimes I think we attract
1: um certain treatment
0: yeah Mm -hmm. what's your view on that
1: I know I I complete. I completely agree I I really believe in this um law of attraction uh, whatever you think, whatever you put out there, whatever you want kind of comes to you. Um, mm. And I think growing up, i would never, I've never, I went to an all-girls school and in my family as well. I would never thought before coming to university that being a female would put me at a disadvantage. Mm. I, I, that thought was never in my mind. Um, so when I did come into university, I didn't really expect to be treated any less or I didn't expect to um, have to face any sexist comments. Right.
0: So, and what's been the I, reality? I,
1: so I haven't really picked up on that. But even then, I, I, even regardless of that, I've, I only really opened up to this sort of the difference in how the, the obvious discrimination um, between, between males and females, I only really picked up on that at university. Um, and again, like I said, I haven't really picked up on it within, within medicine, but I have picked up on this within um, non-medics. So,
0: what's the re- what's the reality been like now? Um, you weren't expecting to, you know, be differentiated because of your gender,
1: but what's the reality been? Um, the reality has been actually quite different. Um, so, so for instance, I was actually I was a pre- I was president of a society last year, and the majority of um, c- the committee members were male. And this is all fine, but I did then feel uh, last year. I did feel at some point I was struggling to find the find the balance between um, being heard and being approachable. So, um, for instance, I felt like if if I was being if I was being quite approachable if I was being nice, um, mm. it was hard to get my voice heard. It was hard to if get. If you're a being voice- nice. If, if i was being nice i think nice is a very word, big but word but i'm saying yeah if i was if if yeah i was saying i was saying if i'm trying if i if i as president if i was trying to make an effort to listen to every if, everything everyone had to say mm-hmm. uh, which i've always wanted to do which i i believe in i uh, that's that was something i i gave importance to um it was it was it would it was very easy for say another a male member or someone else to just be like oh no this isn't this isn't a great idea let's just do this and then right for someone was, to
0: sort of try and dominate
1: yeah it, yeah exactly exactly um and and, and then i and at times like that i felt like i needed to be louder or i needed to be more forceful yeah with what i had to do. um and and actually there have there have been a, a few other sort of uh, female um, committee members who have said the same to me they'd come and they'd sometimes come and talk to me alone about their opinions on a few few issues um instead of speaking out in committee meetings because they, because they don't feel like they're being heard and at times like that i actually really do think about this because as as another female uh as another female chairing this meeting if these guys can't be heard if they feel like they can't be heard in a in a meeting with the female with amongst their male peers mm. um I you know I I, that that gets me worried
0: yeah so it's kind of like trying to strike this balance between making the men feel valid but also standing Mm -hmm. up for yourself
1: exactly yeah yeah
0: it's so tricky isn't it because you know often assertive women get um put down um and given the label oh you're so aggressive and you know you're we're, we're, we're kind of broken down through trying to stand up for ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. And and at the same time, sometimes I feel like it's more about sort of pacifying the audience if they're all male and sort of like just trying to make them feel like they count. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like the woman's role is <clears throat> to not only assert herself, but to also make her audience feel valid. So, you know, it's difficult when, you, when you're... And self belief is not like the strongest, you know, because yeah, you're kind yeah. of not really familiar in your role or anything like
1: that. So, yeah, I, re- I resonate with everything you have just said. Yeah, um and I think in 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 that in in those situations, I think as a female, you have to go above and beyond to to strike. I don't think as a male they'd even think about this. Um, I don't think like any of my male friends are thinking, Oh, am I going to, you know, if I, if I listen to this person, does that, does that mean I risk not being heard myself? I don't think any of them are having that sort of internal conflict.
0: Yeah. I mean, as a result of being exposed to that, um, kind of dynamic, have you, would you say that you've, um, changed, um, in personality or evolved
1: or adapted I yes, I do. I do think so. And in fact, the, uh, my, I think my committee members even said that to me. They they felt like I was a different person. I, it was by the end of the year, I, I was a different person sharing these meetings. And I think that's because over the year, I would become a lot more assertive. Um, and I was I was confident to if someone did speak out of turn, or if someone did sort of um, put another member of the team team down, because you know, or if, if I felt like someone was. Um, speaking over another female member, I'd be the first to say, that's not on, let, let, let them speak. Um, and I, I think that's because I've I've been at, at the receiving end and it's yeah. just important for them to know. That. And I think it's important for um, the females on the team to know that their voice is being heard as well.
0: I mean, I must say, listening to you, I get the impression that you you come across as being very approachable and very kind and you know Mm. you're driven by Mm. the need to help others I mean that's all very Mm. clear so it sounds I'm inspired by the fact that you are um, able to strike a balance between standing up for yourself and being forthright in your ideas and confident yet Mm. not sort of like trampling all over everyone you
1: know yeah I I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say I've uh, managed to strike the perfect balance yet. And I think that's still a very ongoing learning process for me. Mm. Um, but it, it is something that I've picked up on and it's something I, I'm still needing to do a lot more work on to get that balance right. Um, yeah.
0: I mean, as you, as you progress in, you know, what is probably a male dominated uh, environment, industry, um, ultimately, like, how do you see yourself um balancing all other aspects of being a woman like maybe motherhood family relationships like are you interested in having those things or is it just about career
1: no I think I don't think um either of those are mutually exclusive I think you can um with planning and with an understanding partner I think it's very possible to have both um, without compromising on either um, but actually you know um, on that note I, I have so I've, so at my university we get assigned a personal tutor who uh, who um, t- who advises you on potential careers and um, I remember going up to him you know um, I think a few years like last year last year and telling him I think I want to become an emergency consultant. Um, and he told me, "Oh, that's that's a very good career. That's very good. It's all of that, but you know, it, it is a very demanding field." And he told me, "You need to think if you if you wanted to become, um, you know, if you want to have a family of your own in a few years down the line, you may not be able to to do both too well." Um, and again, like I said, going back to my inner nature, if someone tells me I can't do something, that's something I want to do. Right. So. But it's it's I think it's again it's worrying that someone um who is there to guide us on careers. Yeah. Even
0: it's kind maybe, of
1: Yeah, this he this was a he this was discouraging a very you. it was discouraging. But he, it was very subtle though. It wasn't obvious. He didn't say, Oh, don't do emergency medicine. He said, Yeah, you can do this, this is what you need to do it But just think about think about the fact that in a few years you might have you might have children, you might have a family, you might not be mm-hmm. able to do both. And he said, "Have you considered a career in radiology where you have more flexible <laughs> working hours um and i was I was a bit disappointed with with that particular meeting because I wasn't expecting that at yeah all. Uh, yeah
0: i mean and- it's it's tricky, isn't it because you i don't know maybe someone that is in is at the stage of life I'm in um mm-hmm. it's maybe would have been great advice Uh, but at the same time when you're you know early in your career you, the sky's the limit for you you want to prove everyone wrong and you want to mm-hmm. break stereotypes exactly yeah. Um, yeah so what is the plan then like are you gonna pursue uh something that you know that mm. has been where you've been advised that it isn't something you can juggle
1: with no i i mean I, I don't think i'm gonna let that hold me back um i i i do think i can have i can have i mean i don't feel the need to sort of compromise just that but i think that maybe that's because of my sort of that's me being naive um about what the other stuff that could come in the future but i actually still believe that if i do have a family if i do if i do get into a relationship it should be a very much 50 50 thing um mm. I should be able to have the career I want and be able to give um my family or my my personal life enough commitment as well. Um but again like I said we'll just see how it goes but uh, right now I'm not I'm not thinking of compromising on my career at all.
0: Right. And in terms of, like, kids, it sounds like you do want a family one day. Like, at this stage in your career, like, do you think um, that you'd want to have kids later or sooner? Like, uh, how, what is your thinking at this stage?
1: um, I haven't actually thought about this. Um, No, honestly, I haven't, I I haven't thought thought about this, but I think... Mm -hmm. I have kids I want to be um I want to be um settled in in myself and I feel like right now I still still have a lot of this sort of adventurous side of me where I want to try different things I'd be very happy to move to a different country sort of every two weeks every three weeks I'd be more than happy to do that um Mm. and I think once I once I've settled down in that sense uh, I don't mean I don't mean um actually I really don't like the word settling down I don't want to say settling down but once I <laughs> uh, um, I think once I'm more um, secure in my career yeah yeah I think that's that's probably when I consider having kids but actually yeah. I don't want to have kids of my own I actually want to adopt kids
0: oh wow that's interesting
1: that's what I want to do so I, I is that why, why do you have that view I think, so I I feel like, um, so my thinking is why bring my own kids into this world when I can, when there are kids in this world who don't have the resources that they need, um, there's so much talent out there, these kids could have a better life, so rather than me having my own kids, why can't I bring up these other kids as my own kids? Wow, Um,
0: that's
1: beautiful. And I I don't feel like that way I'm at a loss, I'm losing anything, um, because Mm -hmm. I feel like once I've adopted them, they would be my kids. Um, And I would give them everything I would give my actual kids. So I don't feel like um, that's setting me back in any way. Uh, I don't feel like that's going to take anything from the relationship I'd have with them. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And I feel like, you know, rather than bringing two new kids, if I can help two existing kids, um, that, that would make me happier
0: that's so interesting because how how do your Sri Lankan parents feel about that kind of view do they know
1: Uh, honestly I haven't haven't spoken to them about this but Hmm. um actually in my extended family there have been several people who've adopted kids um amongst my extended family yeah and and I don't feel like that's changed anything about them uh so and I've all I've looked up to them uh for inspiration. So I, I don't feel like that's changed their bond or anything anything like that. Mm. So yeah, that's something I would I would like to do. Uh,
0: that's so fascinating to me because um my own family, like you know, yeah. we have uh my my parents have a little grandson, um, despite mm. having three daughters, and mm. um he is absolutely worshipped. Um <laughs> And I think, you know, if my parents could choose, they would love to have way more grandchildren. But,
1: you know, mm-hmm. I think
0: it can be really tricky when you're mm-hmm. um, in high-level academia because you work so hard to get there and it's so mm. rewarding and so challenging at the same time that you kind of don't want to waste it. Um, yeah. And so it's difficult to know exactly when to fit in motherhood.
1: Mm. is that something that
0: you have foreseen or that you know has crossed your radar or do you think you're still too young to Mm. worry about it so
1: I haven't actually I I haven't given it extensive thought all like I said all I know is that I would want to adopt two kids at some point um and when I do I would want to give them a lot of my time uh, at at least during the early years um but maybe I don't know. uh, I honestly can't say. I I I I don't know when that would be.
0: It's it's kind of great because then you don't have any of the biological clock pressure
1: mm-hmm. that a exactly, lot of yeah. have. To my advantage, yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. Wow, that does sound like a really good solution, and it sounds so, again, so sort of like selfless and loving to actually um, want to have that rather than. Your own sort of biological children, which I think a lot of people are driven by that biological need because it's actually quite um, a self-centered ambition, if I can be so braver to say that without causing too much upset. But yeah, no, it's it 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 does. It sounds in line with what's driving your career as well, which is Mm -hmm. to help people which is really yeah. beautiful. Oh, um, you, mentioned, you. you mentioned earlier that, um, you know, you were talking to your personal tutor and, mm. you know, you were slightly discouraged, but do you have the opportunity to sort of, like, talk to other women about, like, your ambitions and, you know, just confide in other women?
1: Yeah. Um, in fact, like, I think I'm really lucky to be surrounded by... My close friends who are, who are equally ambitious, Mm -hmm. um, in everything that they want to do, everything they want to achieve. And I don't think any of us have ever thought of compromising our careers, um, or thought of, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, when I speak to them, I always feel more more inspired to focus on my career, to go get what I want, to make, make a difference. Um so yeah i yeah i i do i do have a chance to sort of confide in them and talk to them um yeah, and I always find them very motivating
0: and so as a woman in stem medicine mm-hmm. um what advice would you give to any sort of like young prospective uh STEMers?
1: prospective STEMers I think they should just go for it. Um, there is, there is absolutely, there's nothing stopping them from going into STEM. STEM is such an exciting and upcoming field. Um, and you shouldn't feel like there's a barrier or that you shouldn't feel like you won't be good enough or that you, you know, there's something stopping you from getting into STEM. Um, like girls, boys, everyone alike has the same sort of skill sets if you work hard. So if you're Mm -hmm. working hard, something you're passionate about there's is, there is absolutely no way why you shouldn't go there's no reason why you shouldn't go into stem um and i think stem is very it it, it would reward you very highly in terms of um satisfaction
0: but you know so, as a as a student that where stem subjects came naturally um yeah. i guess you would sort of advise that but what if yeah. um you're interested in stem fields but not necessarily great at the subjects
1: Okay, so I think if you're interested, that's that's a good start. Because if you're interested, then you can always get good at the subjects. I feel, um, but I think the important bit is to seek out extra help um, mm. to go out of your way, um, maybe whether that's finding teachers, finding people in the older years, um, going going online to get some extra help, reading up on what's coming up, what's um, you know what's already out there, um, to get to gain some knowledge on the subject. Mm. And once you've decided for sure that STEM is what you want to go into, then I think what it comes down to is just hard work and putting yeah. in the hours. Um, and you
0: know, you know when you were talking about sort of experimenting with different things and you know, sometimes you reached a couple of dead ends like hmm. um what was it that made you think ah oh, this isn't for me? Like did you just not enjoy it or you know, what, what oh. was telling you that this was a dead end?
1: It's, I think it's just, um, it, it could be, it, sometimes it's fun, like whatever activity was I was doing, it would, would be fun whilst I was doing it. But I'd, I mean, sometimes you come back home and you think, okay, you know, but w- what am I doing with my life? You know, what w- what's my bigger purpose here? Um, mm. How am I contributing to the world or to the extended sort of society? Um, and that's always been a question I've had at the back of my, in the back of my mind. Um, and I think that comes back to this really, like a specific sort of tradition. My mom has instilled in me when I was a kid. So on each of my birthdays, um, instead of, instead of, you know, having a party or whatever, she would Mm -hmm. take me to an orphanage on my birthdays. Um, and on that, on that day, on my birthday, she told me in the morning, you know, um, your birthday is your chance to remember why you're here. Um, this is you've had another year on this world in this world. Um this is another day to remember why you're here and how you can what you and to sort of reaffirm to yourself what you can give back to society, how you can contribute to the people around you. And as part of that, she would um and I was about four, five, six, I'd go play with um the children at a local orphanage. Um and it was her way of saying, you know, there are people like this, what, what can you do to help them? Uh, and that was something she'd made a point to instill in me since I was a child Wow um and I think and I think that's always something that I have at the back of my head, you know, like what you know I don't know if I could be going out, I could be having fun, but I always come back home or you know, and I always think, okay, but oh, you know, what's my purpose in life? How am I making um, use of myself? How am I making use of my skills, making use of my knowledge to make an impact on many more people? um and it's it's so the other stuff i tried i've had a lot of fun doing them i found i found them fulfilling in the sense that i enjoyed it but i didn't i wasn't satisfied with with how it fitted in with my overall purpose
0: mm. wow well that is an absolutely amazing note to end on Thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your wisdom with us today. Like, I, I just, I, I I can feel your greater purpose um, just from oh, yes. speaking to you for an hour. Um, and, you know, even though I don't have a clear sense of what your overall purpose is, because that's probably a very private thing, like it, your personality exudes something so much bigger than just studying stem like it, it, yeah. yeah you're you're on to big things that's for sure oh, you feel it.
1: thank you so much for having me on the podcast today i really, i really enjoyed speaking to you today
0: that's it from my stem guest this week gosh what a sweet girl and i'm not just saying that because she's sri lankan even though i am slightly biased um god i really feel like we've heard from someone today who just has no ego and just really wants to help other people. And through her intelligence and her entrepreneurship, she's gonna be making an impact in this world that, you know, just will help so many people through the medical field. As always, I'm so inspired, but I also feel like I need to go away and sort of review my own greater purpose. And that's what my guest has done for me today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show and catch you next week on Silence.